Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Tuesday Law and Gospel. And it is on March the 23rd in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and the hymn we're going to be looking at with Mark Smith is A Lamb Goes Uncomplaining Forth. This is one of two hymns by Paul Gerhardt, died in 1676, and the hymn first appeared in 1647. It was a hymn that Paul Gerhardt wrote as the end of the Thirty Years' War were coming to a close. Berlin was sinking deeper into political tensions due to the ruler's desertion of Lutheranism in favor of Calvinism. This hymn is designated for Good Friday, and he has the other passion hymn, O Sacred Head Now Wounded. Both hymns draw on the tradition of a passionate contemplation of the suffering Savior. And the core truth of this hymn is the love of God in offering his Son for our salvation. Pastor Smith, do you enjoy singing this hymn? Oh, yeah, this is a good hymn, absolutely. And it's uh, it's appropriate for... Uh... Well, for, it's appropriate for Palm Sunday, the Sunday of the Passion, as well as for Good Friday. Yeah, explain why this Sunday has two titles, Palm Sunday and the Sunday of the Passion. Well, I've always understood it's because uh, more and more today, people will not, you know, they'll, they'll go to church on Sunday, but uh, maybe skip Good Friday. And uh, this is a way of, uh, so so what do you have? If you just go to church on Palm Sunday and then Good Friday, and then Easter, you miss, you miss the Good Friday emphasis, the, the passion of our Lord. And uh, so this way, uh, this way people get uh, that passion emphasis on the Sunday before Easter. Well said. Um, it's not that Jesus coming on Palm Sunday is not mentioned. That's actually the Old Testament reading from Zechariah chapter 9. Yeah, it and it's says, also well covered Behold, in, uh, in your Advent. king is coming to you righteous and having salvation, yeah. humble and mounted on a donkey. And so you can preach on the Palm Sunday. But the other thing I find very interesting, this is probably the longest reading uh, yes. any Sunday in the church year. Yes. Uh, I have it from Mark uh, chapter 13 through chapter 15, verse 47. It could take about 15 minutes to read. Yeah, I wonder how many, I wonder how many pastors are going to read through the whole assigned text for the gospel. I am not. I'm going to start with, uh, because we have a strong emphasis all during Lent and also on Good Friday, uh, I'm going to start with uh, chapter 15 of Mark, verse 1, and go through the 15th verse. Through the 15th, <clears throat> excuse me, through the 15th verse, okay. Yeah, 15 yeah, verses. I'm mm -hmm. choosing uh, 33 to 39 are the verses uh -huh. I'm using. I so, think. yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. All right. Would you be so kind as to read the first stanza, and we'll examine that. Okay. 
A lamb goes, a lamb goes uncomplaining forth, the guilt of sinners bearing, and laden with the sins of earth, none else the burden sharing. Goes patient on, grows weak and faint, to slaughter led without complaint, that spotless life to offer. He bears the stripes, the wounds, the lies, the mockery, and yet replies, all this I gladly suffer. Yes, a lot of that is from Jesus' predictions, that he's going to Jerusalem uh, to die, and that he will be whipped, he will be mocked, and there will be lies all about him. And, of course, the disciples could not understand that. So why do you think it begins with a lamb goes uncomplaining forth? Where does that concept of lamb come from? Well, of course, he's the fulfillment of all those uh, of all those lambs that were sacrificed all throughout the Old Testament. He's the fulfillment of that. He is he is the really the, the Lamb of God that really does our atonement. Yes, well said. Because what we're talking about is a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. That's why he didn't die until he could thirst because that was the last prophecy he had to fulfill when he was on the cross. And it says a lamb goes uncomplaining forth. What does that remind you of, uncomplaining? Well, uh, like a lamb led to the slaughter, and the sheep before its shearers is dumb, so so he opened not his mouth. That's another fulfillment, see? He was like, like a sheep that bore its any any suffering uh, quietly he never complained which yes. is really hard when you think about it it's really hard to imagine uh, you know beings as our lord was true man as well as true god it's just hard to imagine him going through all that the flogging uh the lashes uh which which often were tough enough to bear and often would would kill the person kill the victim before he was even crucified it's hard to imagine our lord jesus who is true man as well as true god undergoing all that and well as we sing in the hymn all this i gladly suffer yes a lot of times when uh you visit a prisoner in jail and they feel that they were not guilty they're always complaining Right. But here, Jesus is not guilty, because the next line says, the guilt of sinners bearing, not his right. own sin. And therefore, he's laden with the sins of earth. Now, some of the children may not understand what the word laden means, because we don't use it that often. Well, you could use the word encumbered <laughs> although that's not uh, 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 he's he's bearing he's carrying that's uh, right. all the sins the sins of, uh, think about this the sins of the whole world the sins of all time the very first sin of adam and eve in the garden of eden and the very last sin that will be committed on uh, on the day before our lord returns all those sins, the sins of the whole world and of all time, were dumped on him. Yes, I think of the word laden, all like, and loaded with the right. sins of earth. 
loaded with the sins of earth is another good word, right? None else, the burden sharing. So the two thieves on the cross were not bearing the burden of our sins. No. That nobody ever was. Right. So the rest talks about the actual suffering. And that was Paul Gerhardt's way of reminding the Christians, remember the 30 years war was a war among religious groups. And Jesus did without complaint so that Gerhardt is saying that we Christians ought to be doing the same. Yes. And I'll tell you what, Paul Gerhardt, from what I've heard about the, the the life that he led and the sufferings that he bore, you know, he lost, I think during the 30 years war, uh, during that time he lost a lot of his family, a lot of his kids, if not even his wife. Uh, he went through a lot of difficulty. And, uh, you know, it never that never comes out in his hymns that I know of, uh, but he sure, he sure, uh, you know, he he bore a lot too, uh, as as many of us do, of course. But uh, but boy, uh, our Lord Jesus, he he took it all on himself, and and actually, you know, as the sim as the hymn says, his his father uh, laid it on him too. That's not in verse one. No, but it's later on. Yeah, we're on verse 1 right now. Yeah, right, okay. The end of verse 1 is, all this I gladly suffer. Right. Do you recall what Bible verse that might be referring to? It kind of starts with, for the joy. uh, For the joy set before me, I endured the cross, suffering the pain. Yes. Excellent, yes. All right, stanza 2, I'll read. This lamb is Christ the soul's great friend, the Lamb of God, our Savior, whom God the Father chose to send to gain for us his favor. Go forth, my son, the Father said, and free my children from their dread of guilt and condemnation. The wrath and stripes are hard to bear, but by your passion they will share the fruit of your salvation. Now, where is it talking about that the Father is the one that sends Jesus to the earth? Well, that's uh, uh, that's. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of. There's so many passages that talk about that. Yeah, I, the I one think I'm God thinking so, of. God so loved the world. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. So there you go, John three sixteen. It talks about the Father giving His only begotten Son. I'm thinking of Daniel chapter seven. Okay. The Ancient of Days. Yes. That's God the Father. And He sends the Son of Man. Son of Man, right. That's Jesus to the earth to redeem the earth. Right. So once more, a point you made earlier, this certainly is talking about fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. Oh, yeah, it's all about Jesus. The whole Bible, Old Testament as well as New, is is all about our Lord. Yes, 
as Jesus showed the disciples on the road to Emmaus. When he opened up the scriptures to them, right? What a exactly. Bible class it must have been. Boy. Well, I've done a study on Old Testament Bible passages that are definitely fulfilled in the New Testament. And after I finished the study, I found, I keep finding other Bible verses that could also have been fit into that, that I didn't have in my study. So yeah, the number, the number always that I've always read is over 300 prophecies were fulfilled in, in Jesus. And I'm sure there are probably more than that. Yes. Yeah. I've got about that number on the, uh, it was a, a year and a half Bible study at a church I had in the evening. And it was really kind of interesting each week. We started in Genesis 1 and went through Malachi. All right. Stanza 3, please. Okay. Yes, Father. Yes, most willingly. I'll bear what you command me. My will conforms to your decree. I'll do what you have asked me. O wondrous love, what have you done? The Father offers up his Son. Desiring our salvation. O oh, love, how strong you are to save. You lay the one into the grave who built the earth's foundation. Boy, those last lines especially, that's really something. Yeah, the whole verse it, is great. It wasn't long ago that I was hearing a good sermon about this, and... It was interesting that Jesus was hung on wood that he created. He was nailed by spikes, which he created. And everything that was going on was something he had created and were used against him. Yeah, and, in fact, I remember, I remember uh, Martin Charlemagne uh, once yep. in, his, in his notes on, uh, on Good Friday where he taught this was really something he talked about how when jesus said i thirst uh he he made the point that you know all the bodies of water in the world would have longed to assuage our lord's thirst yes i took that course from martin charlemagne called the passion of our lord it was 10 weeks and uh, it was recorded tape recorded so when i was given the privilege of doing his funeral, I use that as the sermon. And he also that. talks about the angels were told to stand at attention yes. and not do anything. To stand he, he back some, and fold their wings, right. He had some wonderful picture language uh, of the crucifixion that really helps you understand parts of it that a lot of people don't quite get. So Jesus says, yes, I will willingly do this command. You know, there are times when people will say, well, God says, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. But they forget that when Jesus prayed to the Father, he always had this attitude, but not my will, but thy will be done. That's and right. therefore, every time we pray, the point that we're making is, yes, 
We want the will of the Father to be done. And guess what? It always is done when that's we right. pray. And that's a great comfort for us. Uh, particularly, and I'm sure you've ministered to individuals who are on their deathbed, that this is a great comfort to know the promises of Jesus that soon they will be in a heavenly realm. Right. Yeah, indeed. That is, yeah, we, when we pray, I was always told when you pray, if you're praying for uh, earthly blessings that we all need, we should, all, we, we should always pray, if it be thy will, O Lord. But when it pertains to our salvation, that then we don't have to ask his will because we know it is his will. Well said. Have you ever like heard that? A, uh, well, the way I say it is, if you're praying for a promise from the Bible, you do not add, if it be your will. That would actually right. be a sin. So when we baptize an infant, we don't say, uh, we pray, Lord, that that infant will receive faith if it is your will. No, you don't add that because that's why you're baptizing. But if you're looking for a uh, gift of a motorcycle or something, then you always add, if it be your will, because the word motorcycle doesn't appear in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of a... <laughs> I hadn't quite thought of motorcycles in connection with this. <laughs> well, you said any earthly need. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. And uh, I prayed for that when I was growing up able to drive, but my parents did not want me to have a motorcycle. So I had to wait until the day after I was married that I bought one. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, we we lived in a mobile home, and Louise needed a Volkswagen to get around. She was a nurse, and I needed transportation. So I drove to the seminary each day uh, on the motorcycle. On the motorcycle. Yep, that was a lot of fun. All right, would you read stanza four? Yeah. Lord, when your glory I shall see and taste your kingdom's pleasure, your blood my royal robe shall be, my joy beyond all measure. When, when I appear before your throne, your righteousness shall be my crown. With these... I need not hide me, and there in garments richly wrought, as your own bride shall we be brought, brought to stand in joy beside you. Now, I would say that this final verse is really about Judgment Day. Right, right, because exactly. Although it's kind of important, in the reading from last week from Mark 10, when the disciples said we wanted to be on your right and left in your glory, uh, the glory they were probably talking about is what we would refer to as Judgment Day. But Jesus said, you do not know what you're asking for because the glory that he was contemplating was the glory of the crucifixion. The cross, right. So that's where we see Jesus today. And therefore we can say we taste his kingdom's pleasure even today. Yes. And specifically, how does the that Lord's Supper. 
tasted in the worship service? In the Lord's Supper. That's a foretaste of the of the feast to come. The Lord's yes. Supper. In fact, doesn't Jesus say something about that? I will not drink of this again. Fruit of the vine until I drink it with you anew in heaven. Exactly. You know, people wonder, are we going to have something to eat or drink in heaven? And I always use that verse to show that, yes, uh, it's a banquet, it's a celebration, and we're going to be able to do that because on Judgment Day, our bodies will be raised from the dead, even if they have decayed or been eaten by animals, and they'll be resurrected to join with our spirits that will have been in heaven from the time of our death on. Yes. Have you ever have you ever pondered what that heavenly feast is going to be like, that heavenly banquet? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> White castles. And, uh... <laughs> no, no. Watch out for free energy. For free advertisement, Tom. <laughs> yeah, well, except these won't be meat because uh-huh. there's no killing in heaven. So they're, they're going to be, um, you know, what is it, Burger King? Veggie yeah. burgers, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but they'll taste better than White Castles. No, I'm going to be looking up my grandmother who made the best oh, cheese pancakes I had ever eaten. Cheese so, pancakes. Yeah. They they were really good, and, and I hope mom, in heaven you can eat all you want and not get fat. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> uh, but the thing in heaven, you'll eat all you'll need. So that's kind of what heaven is going to be like. Nobody is going to be disappointed that they're turned away from the table. Right. No, you, you'll I would, be, I would agree. You'll be satisfied. Yeah. Now, particularly when heaven is described as no pain, no sickness, no death, and many other negatives, because the greatest thing in heaven is the absence of the devil and his cohorts. Because yes. Jesus defeated them. That's that was right. his real purpose for coming to the cross, to be defeating the work of the devil. And death and and sin, too, yes. Yeah, there's no sin Sin, either. Sin, death, and the devil, the three terrible enemies. It's really hard to imagine being in heaven and not having sinful thoughts. It's just so natural here on earth. But in heaven, there will be no sinful thoughts. Right. And no sorrow, no complaining, no tears. In fact, that's how we get fulfilled, that we are like Jesus in that way. All right. A lamb goes uncomplaining forth. It can be sung Good Friday. Um, It's also Palm Sunday. And we're getting closer and closer to Easter. Well, I'm Tom Baker, and you've been listening to also Mark Smith, a pastor. And the next Law and Gospel, which is Rumination Thursday, 
I'm, I'm sorry, is Wednesday, where I'll be continuing our study of one of the churches from the book of Revelation. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.